Hi, I'm Aton Davidson with Purpose Built Communities. The Purpose Built Network is full of leaders who bring passion, sophistication, and innovation to their work. In this episode of This Is Community, I talk to two leaders in Birmingham, Alabama, Mashonda Taylor, Executive Director of the Woodlawn Foundation, and Valencia King, President of the Woodlawn Neighborhood Association. These young, black female leaders are having an incredible impact, not only in the Woodlawn community in which they live, but on the city of Birmingham as a whole. Through meaningful collaboration and intentional partnerships, they are helping to bring about holistic community revitalization and creating a stronger, healthier neighborhood for its residents. Well, hey, everybody. It's good to see you all. Uh, Valencia, I'm really glad you joined us. Last time we spoke with Mashanda and Precious, uh, they were telling us about your role in the neighborhood. And um, it just struck us that what you all have in terms of a combination of young, strong black female leaders in Woodlawn is very special and something that we wanted to learn more about, quite frankly. But I wonder if we might just start with Valencia. I would love to just hear you introduce yourself. Where are you from? How did you get involved in all of this? Like, I just want to hear a little bit of your story. Okay, so my name is Valencia King. I am 38 years old. I've been in the Woodlawn community since I was about five years old. I have watched it, watched my community just grow in numbers. Ever since I was here, I noticed that we had a lot of female in leadership here. It started out very young. And the person that introduced me to the Neighborhood Association was Marilyn Creer, which was the second female president of the Woodlawn community, of the Woodlawn Neighborhood Association. I mean, she got the children involved and she was very passionate about what she does. And at that moment, that's when I learned about how is it, how important it is to be a part of your community where you live in. I mean, it sounds like just from the little you just shared that there has been somewhat of a tradition of strong woman leadership mm-hmm. in Woodlawn. But I'm wondering, you know, kind of what were, were there specific moments or relationships or interactions or things that happened along the way? For you, whether it was as a child or a young adult, that made you decide to get more involved? What what were the things that compelled you to action? I would say we was in a gray area. I wouldn't say a dark area, but a gray area in a community where things was kind of standing still, I would say. A lot of people wanted to come and invest with us, but we were just standing still. I wanted to bring us to the, the new millennium to get us into the digital world, into building relationships even more and building the trust of the business and the residents and the city uh, employees and the elective officers as well. So I knew that at one point in time that we all need to sit at the table and really talk about what our vision and goal is for Woodlawn. And so that's where we was. And and that's something that I wanted to do is that I knew that we can push it for, you know, further than what we, you know, standing still mode. Yeah. And it's funny. I met I met Valencia for the first time at a neighborhood association meeting. Mm -hmm. 
And I, I remember because her mom t- attends all the meetings, her mm-hmm. her dad and now her son. So and it's, you know, what Valencia didn't tell you, she was a, a, a proud colonel, um, Woodlawn High School graduate. Now her son <laughs> is at the high school in the band. And, and and one of the things that I saw in her was just the continuation of always being present. Right. Our neighborhood association meetings, how many we have? Like five, six, we're yes. coming to the meeting. Mm-hmm. Now we're having 40 to 50 people mm-hmm. to come to a meeting, mm-hmm. um, which is very different from any other neighborhood association mm-hmm. in the city. So, yeah, I, I think you need to tell them about when you decided to run for leadership and how that played out. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay, so... I sat down and I said, okay, we this is unacceptable anymore. We need to we need to we need to do better. We need community activities. We need people from the residents. We we need better. I mean we have better, but we need even more. And so I talked to Mashonda, I said, Mashonda, I'm gonna run. And she was like, about time. <laughs> And uh, then it's funny because then I went down to some of the matriarch of Woodlawn because, again, um, mostly the women in uh, Woodlawn were in leadership at the VISM, um, doing the food banking. I mean, they were involved more. And so I went to and sat at the table with them as well and said, hey, I want to run for neighborhood president. And it was like, about time. So this is the second time I heard about about time. And then I finally, and I told my mom and my dad and them last, because at this particular moment, I'm throwing it out here like, we got to, you know, in my mind, we got to do better. We, we need more. And I sat down and I talked to my mom and my dad, and my dad said, I knew this was coming. And then my mom turned around and said, about time. So that's three times I didn't hear about time. And so um, I ran and they really voted me in when I say it was a vote by landslide. So when I first got into office, I did, of course, when you're talking about change, the mindset of people are accustomed to doing things that same way. And I told them, well, if we're doing the same thing over and over again, that's insane. So let's try something new. So we started having planning sessions. We started to say, what do we want? Where we want to go? Do we have a vision? Do we have a goal? And so we came up with, we want to, to clean up our community from crime, litter, and poverty. And that's something that we came up with. And then uh, later on, we came up with, we want to recruit more residents to be active because we have partnerships here, but the problem is they want to hear from the community and not just the community officers, but the community as a whole, individual, but as a whole. So that's when we realized that we need to start to recruit. And I went from door to door. (laughs) Pulling people from 
all everywhere and say, hey, do know that this is a new sheriff in town and we ready to move. Let us get this relationship back together because, you know, it, it, it just had to build up relationships. And that's what I did. And I sat down and I said, your voice matter. We need to understand where you are, where we are, where we're trying to go. And I think that's how we built it. And with the help of Mashonda in the office, with that support, I'm like, oh, there were many times where I say, Mashonda, is it working? <laughs> and she said, just go ahead and vent, but get over it. <laughs> Tell me more about the relationship, how you two work together, how you two support each other, both as individuals, but also as leaders in the community from the Neighborhood Association perspective and the Woodlawn United perspective. What what does that look like? It is a great importance to us yeah. because with Neighborhood Association, we cannot raise any funds at all. We have to go through the city. It just we have to go through the city, which is okay. But when we put out what we need and we go through these planning sessions, we will have one at the beginning of January, right? We have to put out our list and say, this is what we want to do. This is how we do it. We only have a, a set amount of budget that we can work out of. And with the partnership that Mashonda has created and her staff has created, allow us to do more than just what we have yeah. with the budget that we have. And I appreciate that. Another thing is she is a great so emotional support person because anytime you deal with people i'm telling you you're dealing with different personalities from different backgrounds with different mindset and she had to keep me on task from time to time like hey this is not about you right now this is more than about this and i appreciate her for that because that keeps me on task and i also keep her on task yeah. like hey yeah. what's going on with da 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 we need to know, and we keep an open community, uh, an open communication line. Yeah, you know, and that's the most important of all. And being truthful to each other, and just letting us know, like, this is how I feel, and what we can do about this. And we just don't criticize with each other. Yeah. We actually work out our problems and our differences with each other. And I think that is the most important thing that is bringing us to where we need to go. Because right. we got new goals this year. I mean, we could accomplish our old goal. Yeah. And I think it's the idea that, like, my job is to support her so she can be successful. So, yeah, it might be budgetary. It might be relationship. It mm -hmm. might be advice. Because I get to see things from a perspective that she doesn't see it. Mm -hmm. And and there are many times, like, Valencia is now being asked to speak on this big, broad community scale, citywide, and talk about what's happening in her community mm -hmm. and that she is at the table leading it as well. So people are asking her for advice. Mm -hmm. How do you run your meetings? Like, how do you get cooperation and work with different partners? Because she knows how. And it's crazy, like, and, and I'm going to make sure that I continue to edify you and, and, and be that support system. But I'm going to tell you, from the time when Valencia walked into the door and she said, I don't think I can do it. Mm-hmm. I said it. <laughs> so now her, I'm telling other people and leading other people and showing them how to do and be in partnership with these large community partners. And I'm not talking 
just us, like the corporations in our city and thinking broader, like she is the one at the table having conversations. Mm-hmm. We just had a, a meeting a couple of days ago with the chief of police. Mm-hmm. And and it's 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 important for her to not just be the leader at this community table, but it's the it's important for her to be the leader outwardly amongst all these other corporations and big big people as they call mm-hmm. them because they need to see her. They need to understand that she is truly the one leading the community. And it's not we are working alongside of it. It's in and we always talk about you know, capacity build, um, connecting and convening, but we also lead on side of her too. And so there's a, f- a fine balance to that. I'm never going to overstep Valencia and her leadership and her decisions. I will give advice and say, hey, I see something that you might not see. And she does the same thing for me. Mm-hmm. 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 But we have to be honest with one another. And there are times we have to agree to disagree. Yeah. And we're like, okay, next. And we move on. <laughs> we move on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, what you're describing sounds to me like a true partnership. Absolutely. We do have fun. <laughs> because this is hard. And like, I love her son. I love her family, mm-hmm. right? She loves me. She, she loves my family. She asks how I'm doing as a person mm-hmm. because that's important too. Mm-hmm. Like when I, when I was telling her that I wanted to move into the community and she was just like, it's about time. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and and look right. and and for her to walk in my home with me like hey we we are doing this and to now be like okay we got to get you your own home now we're mm-hmm. in process of figuring out what that looks like because it's time for her to own <laughs> her own home like her parents own within the community and they are truly a blended family but it's time for her to own her own thing too so we're gonna work through that so here's a question you just mentioned meeting with Different leaders in the city, chief of police, um, people who represent corporations. How do you think your work is spilling out beyond Woodlawn? How do you think what you all are doing is affecting Birmingham? I'm I'm curious to hear your your take on that. Well, okay, so I get calls from other neighborhood presidents, uh, like literally. I will not name the communities because we're still working on some things. We are. And, and, you know, again, they, they're they dealing with what we had actually been through is the trust factor. Right. How can we trust these people to do right by us? And so I get calls all the time. I had to silence my phone because nine out of ten, I probably would have got a phone call in the middle of the day while I'm working or during this meeting. And it happens all the time. And I think that the work that we're doing are really the model of what the uh, what community communities will look like uh, throughout the 99 in the 23rd the 99 neighborhoods in the 23 communities so i think that we're going to continue break barriers mm-hmm. i think we're going to continue to lead it forth of showing what it looks like and what it could be if we work together for the greater good and (laughs) she's right like valentia and i've been so proud of her like so she's doing panels about the work that we're doing and like other community members there's one panel 
recently, I think it was right before you were elected. Mm-hmm. And they were basically like, what's the vision? What do you see? What do you see for Woodlawn? And she clearly said, this is my vision. I have a planning meeting. I have an education liaison. I have a business association liaison. And she's put this whole structure within her organization within neighborhood association leadership that's beyond an elected position because the way that it works out you get elected president Mm -hmm. vice president treasurer secretary secretary secretary. Mm -hmm. so like those are elected positions but valencia has added other leadership components to this whole structure and people are like wait a minute we didn't even know that you could do that and she was like well who told you that you couldn't (laughs) like so so she's dividing and and thinking about what are the problems but most importantly like who do we need to be at the table for the solutions woodlawn the community um, of course the four neighborhoods but woodlawn neighborhood has the central business district in it Mm -hmm. and they get asked all the time liquor licenses um different zoning and variances Mm -hmm. And so what she's made people do is like, all right, so you can't just get a liquor license in our neighborhood anymore. You need to come to multiple meetings. You need to have conversations with the, with the, with the neighbors just to make sure, like, do we really want this here? Mm-hmm. And is this going to be a part of the momentum of the good or is it going to be something that's going to be to the detriment of our community? Mm-hmm. And before people would just pass liquor licenses and we'd mm-hmm. have all this crazy stuff mm-hmm. happen in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So she's put process in place. So when I tell you the city is watching us, mm-hmm. um, other neighborhood association leaderships, like they're they're like, hey, how do we do what you do? And I don't think, and I know this for a fact, when she took this office, you you didn't know that it would be that. No. I did, because no. I saw that in you. Mm-hmm. I did. I, yeah, because you know, we're contemporaries, you're the same age. So she's sitting here like, wait a minute, how can you see this? I'm like, no, I'm telling you, I see it. <laughs> Trust me. She did. She did. <laughs> and now she's leading in the city. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a big deal. I hate public relations. I do not like it. From a, <laughs> she's like, I don't like it in front of people. That's like, why do you want to put a camera in my face all the time? It's like, get out of my face. Because I'm so used to working behind closed doors. So I'm like, I'm about action. Yeah. And so when you're talking about cameras, like, I don't want to do this. And then Mashonda will come back and say, uh, you're going to have to. Not part of the job. <laughs> I was like, we're learning together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a part of the job. <laughs> this, this is amazing. So I have a lot of questions, but I'm trying to focus them. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to repeat some of what I heard yeah. just to make sure that I'm following. It sounds like Valencia, something that you brought with your leadership, you brought a structure you brought a plan and a vision, and you're also bringing other people along with you. It sounds like with the creation of these new roles, right? That's correct. Why? Why, why bring other people? Like, wh- why is that a part of your leadership style? Because number one, the neighborhood is not one person or two people. The neighborhood is everybody. It's the businesses. It's the educators. It's the nonprofits. It's the churches. It's the city officials. That's the neighborhood. That's the community. So in order to get our residents involved, they need to be a part of something. They need to take responsibility for something. And I think that giving them the opportunity to want to participate or to take lead over something gives them a sense of investment or how would you say it? Pride. It's it's ownership. It's accountability. Yeah. Yeah. It's all of it. Yeah. And so when we started committee, 
start setting up committees throughout. I mean, it's great. We have this lady that, oh, she does the calling post. And I just love her speaking voice because, again, I told you, I am not a lover of public. <laughs> I do not like the media. I, that's just me. But I'm taking one for the team at always. And uh, she does an excellent job in speaking and getting out what's need to be getting out to, through the calling post and things. And I just love it about her. Yeah. So it, it sounds like people have definitely responded to your leadership style and to this kind of collaborative. I mean, I love how you just described what the community is and you talked about all the different sectors and people that make it up. When you started, you said that the meetings were not very well attended. Is that right? That's correct. Tell, tell, just, just tell me like roughly like what it looked like before and what it looks like now. Oh. And be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and you see, she's already like, and tell it the way it is. Okay. Okay. It was chaos. <laughs> it was chaos. I mean, we didn't know what we were voting on at one point in time. We stayed in about 30 to 45 minutes of arguments about unnecessary things. We could never get anything proved or passed through. Some of the things where we were not included in the conversation. And so, and please don't get me wrong, because our previous administration, the, the person before me was a great leader in what she knew how to do. Right. And she held us down. We was at another turning point, I would say, when she was in administrating. And so I just picked up what she left off at and pushed her forward. Yeah. It was a lot. Just, just, it was a lot. But we are to that point where people can see the agenda now. I mean, I have a virtual sign-in sheet now where people can sign in virtually if they choose to do Zoom. It's just bringing people closer together. And there's some things that we're working on in the future that we're going to have to sit back at the table for. But as far as everything else, I mean, from what we've been through until now, I say we, we have done extremely great. And I have to say this. So we went virtual for our neighborhood association meetings. Mm -hmm. We started off with teleconference with mm -hmm. us in the beginning of the pandemic. And we were the first neighborhood to adopt this virtual capability. Mm -hmm. We have continued to do that because we've got older people within the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. But Valencia was leading the charge. He's like, all right, if we're going to do Zoom, we need to get trained. So Jason Meadows, our director of community engagement, he trained all of the neighborhood on how to use Zoom. And so whether it's on a phone, whether it's on a tablet, whatever it is, so everybody knows how to use Zoom. And that's why she's doing mm -hmm. this virtual sign in, because you cannot it's not considered a meeting unless you have people sign in. So mm -hmm. literally, we've been able to continue business and mm -hmm. taught the other neighborhoods how to use Zoom. Mm -hmm. I want to ask a question that's more, I guess, sort of personal, and then a question that's a little more academic. And I guess I'll start with the personal, and that is, you you have busy lives. You know, oh. you all have very full lives. You have families. You know, you have all kinds of obligations. You have work. What drives you to put your time, which is your most 
valuable currency into the neighborhood. Wow, that is great. Because I do sit on a lot of hats, I would yeah. say. Um, it's seeing the growth for me, I think. You know, I have a 14-year-old son, and that's my investment. And to change the atmosphere or the environment of where we are, that's my investment. And I want not only my son, but I want our children to have a greater future. So if I have to take off like today to get things done, that's what I'm going to do. Because I know at the end of the day, it would take care of itself. And I would say it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I look at it like this is home. This is family, like Valencia's family. Her son, I've seen Dave grow up. Yes, she is. And it's crazy. Like, I was like, Dad, we've been doing this work almost a decade. <laughs> and I'm feeling, I feel so strange because I'm like, this is the longest I've ever been in a place, right? I'm a military kid. I don't stay in places very long. Three to four years, I'm like, let's go to something else because that's just how we are. It's ingrained in us to do that. But I, I am in partnership with Valencia and what we drive each other. Mm-hmm. When it's something going on negative in the neighborhood, we're on chat or mm-hmm. on the phone <laughs> two, three o'clock in the morning, and that, people might not think that's healthy. But we laughing or and like talking to one another mm-hmm. to get us through it, mm-hmm. because we to be in leadership, to be women in leadership, mm-hmm. is a completely different dynamic, especially in this city, because it's so yes. male led. The irony is that you've got all these matriarchs and communities, but the higher level leadership always is masculine. It's always Mm -hmm. men. And to see her grow and develop, you know, that's that's been nothing but love and excitement for me. But then to see us develop together, Mm -hmm. like we're having we're working alongside each other towards this goal that people are like Mm -hmm. this community couldn't do. And particularly people that look like us, Mm -hmm. particularly women, could not do Right. There's so many people trying to use their microaggressions and they're going around us. And we're the ones that are actually making the decisions every day. So it's a it's a different feel like I feel empowered. Um, I don't feel alone in this. And like she said, like, you're right. When I'm walking down the street and I see our children walking down the street, I don't want them to see the negative things. I want them to have the best of everything. And it's different because. It's it's her son. Mm-hmm. It's the grandchildren of Miss King, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's all of it. And the newer children, I was like, like the babies that have just moved into the neighborhood too. Oh, like they're they're yeah. It's, it's that's strange. why we do it. That's extremely moving. Thank you for sharing that. My more kind of academic question, you know, when we talk in abstractions about neighborhood work, we we use terms like racial equity. We use terms like systemic racism, right? These are important concepts and they're important things for our country to reckon with. I'm wondering if you all can talk about your work in the context of those kind of academic terms, or in other words, what does racial equity mean to you? How, you know, is, is the work you are doing, is that creating racial equity? I I would just love to hear your thoughts on that. (laughs) Well, um, I would say, and it's often people come to us and it's hilarious to me, and I say hilarious, and I shouldn't say hilarious when you're talking about something so serious, but it is hilarious to me right. because people who don't know anything about the Woodlawn community and what we consist of, 
calls to us and see us growing and say, um, gentrification, you know, yeah. that type of terminology. I was like, what are you talking about when we predominantly black and we are in leadership? You know, I'm just saying, I don't know what you're talking about when you're talking about that, because it was us who've been pushing our community forward. And don't get me wrong, we are very diverse and have a very wide range of people and yeah. cultural backgrounds here in our community. And I think that when we decided to do the we welcome all type of thing, that this is what happens. You get all t- sorts of people that has all different types of background and they help push us along the way. And, you know, we welcome everybody. Yeah. And so when it comes down to that, I would say that there's no such thing here in here. Yeah. We have faced some things in here, but we face them together. Right. And I think that's what I can kind of say if that answered any questions, because it it does tickle me when I hear gentrification and uh, is it is that gentrification? Right? Yeah, uh, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> it, it you know it tickles me when I hear that because I'm like we're so diversified here, yeah, and that we all work on different levels, and I'm like we pushing for a greater, better community, and it's no such thing as that here. I don't see it here. When I look at the racial equity lens, I think it's important for us to call it out. I think there Mm -hmm. are many times when communities, particularly ones that have looked like Woodlawn, you know, we want to say, well, we're we're dealing with and addressing all these other issues, but we don't want to talk about how we got here. Mm -hmm. So when I think about Birmingham being a center of a civil rights movement and us not having this conversation about race, us not having this conversation about how communities were built you know, thinking about the built environment, we have a train to our freaking south, the the highway cut us across mm-hmm. on, the, on the east mm-hmm. and then the airport to the west mm-hmm. or, or the north of mm-hmm. us. So when you think about all these different things like there, there is a, a public housing community right up the street that literally mm-hmm. gets encased in mm-hmm. by the train and mm-hmm. they cannot leave. Mm-hmm. If that was any other community anywhere else, like would that be allowed? Like when you think about all the structures and all the things that have been put in place mm-hmm. where people of color have not been able to be successful mm-hmm. and just not just leveling the playing field. That's all we want to do within this work. Level mm-hmm. the playing field so we can we can stop talking about this generational poverty thing mm-hmm. and think about what is generational wealth creation within our communities look like. Mm-hmm. That's what we want to get to. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have like I know that it's the trueness that that the poor will be with us always. But I know for a fact when you give people high quality education opportunities, when you give them sustainable housing that they can grow from one phase to the next and insulate them with everything that they need, they will thrive. I know it. Our work says it and we've seen it every day and it's being led by black women. (laughs) <laughs> look that's what tickles <laughs> and that's what trips people out we're doing it ourselves <laughs> well i think you might i mean uh, an appropriate response to that might be it's about time huh it's about it's time, about time. <laughs> <laughs> that's it right. that's it yeah well that that is I, I mean this was such a wonderful conversation for me i hope you all enjoyed it yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like I spent time with Yeah, I know. Like I don't get this often because we always running. Always running. 
<laughs> Monique, what do you do? You have any questions you want to ask or any thoughts? I just have one, Aitan. I think you've asked fabulous questions, um, and I really do hope they use this for the podcast because I think everyone needs to meet these two individuals. <laughs> but I have um, I have a two part question that's really focused on like what is that future? What is that next step? Um, I know that you do not like PR, but I promise you my type of PR is not going to put cameras in your face. I'm very focused on purpose driven, you know, communications, which is action. So the first question is, what advice would you give like a millennial leader who kind of feels that maybe, you know, I do not have the time to lead my community. Maybe I'm not the voice that is, you know, the right person to lead my community, like we know that's not the case, but what advice would you give them to help them feel empowered and like let them know that their voice matters? Encourage the leader. If you are in leadership, the way I've always looked at it and the people have always that I've, that mentored me is to make sure that I'm not the only one at the table. Make sure that I give voice to the people within the situation. It's and we're always and I have been this person where I've had to be put at a table to speak on behalf of a group. I don't do that. I bring her to the table. I bring the people that are truly involved and in, in, in entrenched in a problem because I truly believe and I always say this solutions are in communities. If you level the playing field and just say, hey, if we clear all this out and, and just give people the ability to hope and dream again, I think things shift. So, you know, when I think about leadership in our We Lead program, mm -hmm. I'm in it. We're developing, <laughs> we're developing leaders, people that have not said that they've historically led within community, but we were just like, well, what would it look like to lead? What if we give you the tools to lead and, and what happens from there? And it was important, you know, Valencia is, is truly a dynamic leader, but I'm also of the thought that you always hone your skills. Always hone your skills, always grow. I was in the first night of their leadership um, program and I was inspired. I was texting people, texting Precious. I was like, I needed this for me because I needed my cup full, right? And filled up. So I say, if you're in a leadership position, it's it's the onus on you to find the other leaders and, and tap them and say, hey, not only do I think you can do it, but I'm gonna help you do it as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. I guess it's my turn, huh? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I would say if you don't like a place that you're in and you want change, the only way you can get change is if you sit at the table. And I think that's the best way to do. And you have to know that once you sit at the table, it's not always easy. In any journey or road that is taken, it's not easy. So it's worth it at the end, but it's always not easy. I love that. The flip side of my question was going to be on the other side. Like if you are an organization and you're trying to reach these millennial Gen Z voices, but you just don't know what to do, you know, what advice would you give? But Mashonda, I feel like providing those programs and giving those tools and like leaving them to the table is basically like a great example of how to get those Gen Z voices included and hire them. <laughs> I think this is the thing, like our organizations, we require, and particularly people of color, and we're seeing this in so many different um, levels of leadership. I think about my own process and path. I started in as an office administrator and grew within this organization to now lead it. 
and and nobody was giving me an opportunity to do that. Someone mm-hmm. like my predecessor made the, the 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 distinct choice. I'm going to hire a black woman and then I'm going to give her the ability to grow within this organization. Mm-hmm. And honestly, within our nonprofits, we're not seeing that. Mm-hmm. We're not seeing that development um, not to leadership. It always stays in this very mm-hmm. administrative and back office support role. And honestly, we can't do that anymore. We have to continue to hone the skills, you know, even on our development side. Our development director is a black woman. It is important for her to be in position to raise money on behalf of our organization because this is how we are in a black community with black issues. It's important. But it's also important that she's not the only black person within this world of fundraising. How are we not developing other leaders to sit in this position? Mm -hmm. How are there not a pathway to show what it is to be a leader and executive director of a major nonprofit in our city or any other industry. So it's the idea that we got to go further than that. It's, it's bigger than me just sitting in the role and saying, hey, sit at the table. Again, going to the skills. Let me show you the process. Let me show you the path. And then you decide if you want to do it. I love it. I love one of the things I love hearing from from you all is you're, you're action oriented. You know, you're not, you're not, you're not waiting for anybody to invite you. You're, no. <laughs> you're showing up and you're getting it done. <laughs> Invitation got lost in the mail. <laughs> oh, but that's, that's so important because historically what you just described, we've seen it for God, hundreds of years. Yeah. Uh, and, and what you are showing is a different model of leadership where not only do you show up, but you bring others with you. And Valencia, I loved one of your earlier answers when you talked about it's the environment you have a son and you care about the environment that him and other children are growing up in as and and i think from the perspective of purpose-built communities i think that's where we're coming from also that we think that the neighborhood can be a platform for greatness or can hold people back and i think you are preparing woodlawn for greatness here There's a tradition of strong black female leadership in the Woodlawn neighborhood, and these leaders are proof of the powerful change that can happen when people decide to become involved in the neighborhood in which they live. It's our hope that this conversation brings awareness about these and other leaders across the Purpose Built Network who bring passion, sophistication, and innovation to their work. For more episodes of This Is Community, visit purposebuiltcommunities.org slash podcast. Listen to This Is Community wherever podcasts are available or on purposebuiltcommunities.org slash podcast, where you'll find more information on the purpose-built model and engaging sessions from our annual conferences in the past. Hit subscribe to get season four when it launches. If you like this series, be sure to subscribe and share it. Thank you.